electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. You're listening to Closing Bell in Progress. Fed Chair Jay Powell wrapping up his news conference after hiking interest rates three quarters of a percentage point, 75 basis point, as expected. The market is in celebration mode after that presser right now. We're at the highs of the day on stocks. Dow's up almost 500 points. S&P 500 surging about two and a half percent. The Nasdaq higher by more than four percent right now. Why? Fed Chair Powell acknowledged the softness in the economy. We got that first in the statement, but he really did drive it home what he's seeing in terms of consumer spending, business fixed investment, housing weakness, even acknowledging some of the weakness right now in the labor market. And importantly, he did not pre-commit to what the Fed would do on rate hikes for September. I thought one of the key, key moments was when Fed Chair Powell said another unusually large increase will depend on the data. And the next meeting is in September, and there's going to be a lot of data between now and then. Joining us now, as he always does on Fed Day's Former National Economic Council Director Gary Cohn, welcome. Thanks, Sarah. Glad to be here. What, what, it's the Gary Cohn rally. Every time Fed <laughs> chair, the Fed chair talks, the, mar- the market rallies. Was it, was it just a lot of the, the hiking news is baked in and now the path goes the other way? I, I think the news was baked in. I think the market had anticipated some pretty poor earnings out of the tech sector this week. We got through some crucial earnings yesterday. We've got some more this evening, so we're going to have to get through those as well. But I think the chairman himself sort of came out with a fairly dovish statement. You know, he talked about us being sort of in the neutral range. He talked about the last dot plot being still relevant, which is the three to three and a half range. So if you take the three to three and a half range and you take the three remaining meetings, it doesn't sound like 75 still on the table, although he he emphasized that everything's still on the table. You know, to get the three and a half sounds like a, a 50 and two 25s. Um, So he, in many respects, said that monetary policy is working. And in many respects, it is. They said that out of the box. They said that we're starting to see some slowdown in the economy. We're starting to see it affect the consumer. We're starting to see it in the housing market. We are seeing it in in corporate earnings. So I think that the, the chair was trying to say, look, we're seeing the data. What we're doing in monetary policy is starting to have an effect. We happen to have the luxury of not having a meeting for, for two months right now, and we'll see what happens over the next two months. So the data dependent is what is bullish right now for the market, because the market assumes that the data is going to turn weaker yeah. between now and then, as we've, as we've been seeing. I did think that statement was interesting. The new funds rate, he said, is right in the range of neutral. I don't yeah. know if he meant to say that or not, I, I, or if it's going to come back to haunt him, but, but what, what does that signal? Well, he, he, it's exactly what he said. He said it's right in the range of neutral. Then he literally went on to say that the three to three and a half range is still By the forward end. guidance for year end. He went on to say three, three and a half for, for year end. So, which gives know, us smaller rate hikes, we, to your we, point. Which gives a couple of small rate hikes in there. So I think he was telling us that, that his forward guidance that they gave us last time officially is still where they see it. Although he did say that we'll see where, where the dots come out next meeting. Um, but I think that was a reassuring statement. That was the statement where the markets really took off when he said we're in the range of neutral. 
reassuring if you are rooting for fewer hikes and you are worried about the economy. What if you're worried about inflation? <laughs> well, he, he, interestingly, you know, there was something in here for everyone, of course. The initial statement in the prepared remarks, right out of the box, the chair talked about inflation, the resolve to fight inflation, and that they have the tools to fight inflation. And he reaffirmed their 2% target. So he came out initially and talked about Sort of hawkish statement, dovish newser. Right. We're going we're gonna to get to 2%. Um, and we have the tools. And then as, 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 as the conference went on and he started ask, answering questions, he sort of backed off the aggressiveness of rate hikes being needed to get to 2%. He acknowledged that the rate action they've taken right now is having an effect, which they also acknowledge in their prepared statement. So they are seeing some slowdowns. The one place they're not seeing slowdowns is in the job market. We still continue to see fairly significant gains in labor. We still continue to see significant gains in wages. So the one part of the economy where we're not seeing the rate increases really have an effect is in the labor market. Although that he acknowledged said, it, it's, we're, start, yeah. we're starting to see modest lower yeah. job creation, still robust. But I, he did say it's why he doesn't think we're in recession. I, yeah, and we've seen many companies come out and talk about the fact that they're curtailing hiring or they're laying people off or they're stopping to grow in terms of headcount. So I do think that the market and, and, the, and the, the corporations and the big hirers are starting to slow down hiring. So I, I think he sees that the way a lot of us see that, that the hiring is lagging through the system, but we will see the labor part of the economy start to slow so down. I don't think he gave a specific pain threshold on that front for jobs, for the economy, acknowledged all the softness that is starting to happen. He did didn't really say what would change their tune on rate hikes, did he? He, he did not. He did no. not. And that's he, the key question. But the market is assuming here that that it's going to be slower. The debt, we're now at 571. Yeah. Jumped another 100 points since you started talking. Well, that, <laughs> <laughs> you started talking. In, 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 a, in an interesting turnabout, when he got pushed on the recessionary question, yeah. are we in a recession or not? The chairman defended that he does not believe we're in a recession, and he did use the strong labor market right. as one of the foundational blocks of why we're not in a recession. You, you can't be in a recession. He, he tried to argue that you can't be in a recession when you have 11.4 million job openings in the United States, and we still see robust jobs, and we still see fairly robust wage growth in the United States. That's not a recessionary component. Do you agree with that? That's what the White I, House I do is agree arguing. with that. Yeah. Well, let's, Gary, stay with us, of course. We want to bring in our senior economics reporter, Steve Leisman, who, of course, was part of that news conference with Chair Powell, asked a recession question as well. Steve, what were your takeaways? Um, I think I was one of the several porters that the, the chairman just shut down in talking about <laughs> how policy changed. I feel like my nose almost got hit by the slamming door uh, when Powell just basically avoided my question and that of others, which was about how policy may or may not change if we do indeed have a slowdown. I asked if it was a bright line. Let's play you what, what, he, what he said in response to it. I think it is interesting uh, what he talked about, what he expects to happen with growth down the road. We actually think we need a period of growth below potential in order to create some slack so that, so that the supply side can catch up. We also think that there will be, in all likelihood, some softening in labor market conditions. And, and those, are, those are things that we expect, uh, that, and we think that they're probably necessary if we were to have uh, to get inflation, if we were to be able to get inflation back down on a path to 2% and ultimately get there. 
So rather than be angry about not being answered, I think the question is why? What is the chairman, why is the chairman not addressing this issue? And I think the issue is he may have some concern about the, the uh, st state of financial conditions right now, which if you look at the Fed rate, rate outlook, guys, you see that the market has these cuts built in down the road. The chairman has this inflation fight on his hand. He does not want inflation, con uh, sorry, uh, uh, financial conditions to ease. And so he wants to avoid any talk at all about what might happen to policy in the event that there is a recession or a more uh, severe slowdown. He is staying on point, I think, is the way to put it when it comes to this idea that right now inflation is the problem in front of us. Inflation is the problem we're addressing. And if there's other problems to address, we'll deal with those later. I guess, but, but Steve, that's not what the market reaction is telling us right now. At least bonds are rallying big time. The dollar's weakening. Financial conditions are easing. The, the stock market is rallying because they're, taking, they're reading his words about data dependency, about the fact that we're at the neutral rate, the fact that he said that there's still a lot of tightening in the system that is yet to hit the economy. All of that taken together... The signal to the markets is, well, maybe we've seen the, the biggest rate hikes that we're going to see this cycle. Um, yes, I think that's right, Sarah, about the biggest rate hikes. But I don't think it's the end of actual rate hikes. And there's still a substantial thing. Some special question. He talked about getting to that what did he say, three and a quarter, three and a half percent range. I think that's where the yeah. Fed is headed. And I think if the market thinks the Fed is not heading there, I think the market may be making a mistake. The question no, becomes No, but Gary's what, point is, even if it heads there, we, we head there by year end. That's, that, those are smaller rate hikes that we get three more meetings oh, this year. There's no, it's not there's 75 no doubt about basis that. points. No doubt about that. But the question and the debate right now, Sarah, as you know, is about what happens afterwards. What happens? Uh, sure. Is it three and a half to, to four? Or is it three and a half as the market is priced back down to three? As you know, Sarah, because I know you talk to the same mm -hmm. people I do in this regard, there are some people out there that think the Fed has to go much further than that. Uh, and Chair Powell is not talking about that situation right now. No, he's not. Steve, thank you very Pleasure. much. Steve Leisman. So do you think we go higher than that? Do you think it's going to take more than that to tame inflation? Look, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think we are in this situation where we know that the rate hikes do take time to filter through the system. The places where they hit immediately, which is consumer credit and long-dated mortgages, we are seeing the impact very quickly. So other parts of the economy, we know that for the rates to affect the economy, they do take time to get through the system. We've had some fairly large, we've had consecutive 75 basis point increases in the system. We have to see them filter through. So as I said, the, the chair has the luxury right now of literally eight weeks till they meet again. Two He'll CPI see, reports, <laughs> exactly. two jobs reports. He's got two of everything. Yeah. Um, he's got the luxury right now of waiting to see another eight weeks to see how these, these, this increase as well as the prior increases filter through the system. We'll get through this quarterly earnings cycle. We'll see what the markets do. We'll see what financial conditions do. And we'll come back. He left himself enormous amount of wiggle room. He did say three, three, three and a quarter, three and a half. But then on the question of, you know, how did you decide on 75 basis points? He clearly left himself open for any rate increase he wanted. Sure. He said, you know, we'll I could go more. to 100. He said, more. I can go to any number I want. He didn't take anything off the table. He left 100 basis points on the table and he left 25 basis points on the table. So the problem is the economy has now started to soften in, in various parts of the economy. And I do wonder if he's going to get more blowback from the public, from from politicians. Earlier today, I interviewed Senator Elizabeth Warren. She had the op-ed this weekend. Yeah. She, she, her point is, 
The Federal Reserve should not purposely take us into recession and increase joblessness, especially if they don't have the full tools to address inflation. Just listen to what she said. Increases in the interest rate won't fix any of those. And Jerome Powell has actually admitted that in testimony before Congress. And yet he continues to drive forward with what so far have been historically fast, aggressive, high interest rate increases. So if it's not going to help bring down a lot of the prices in our economy, what it can do is actually pitch this economy into a recession. A lot of people do agree with her that he should not be going so hard at a time where the economy is weakening. You know, I, I took the other side, obviously, yep. because the Fed can affect demand, and it's clearly working. You're seeing commodity prices fall across the board, and inflation is a problem. But, but there is a school of thought that why, why would we want to wreck this really great jobs market? Well, there's a lot to unpack there. So <laughs> go I, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go a little bit on it. So first of all, the, this is a question that we've talked about. Is this a demand issue or a supply issue? And if we're just raising rates to kill off demand, but we really have a supply issue, it's not going to have an effect. A little both, right? So there's a, there's a little bit of both. But we know there's a supply issue. We know that on the commodity side, there's a supply issue. We look at what's going on with natural. We're talking about the great thing that's happening in the oil market and the, the gas market. But what's happening in the natural gas market? As, t as supply tightens up there, we're seeing record high natural gas prices. So there is this debate on, on, on supply versus demand. There's another debate here on the Fed's mandate. The Fed's mandate is not made up by the Fed. It's, it it's her. It's, exactly. It's her. Yeah. So she, if, if Senator Warren wants to change the Fed's mandate, they can change the Fed's mandate. But right now, Chairman Powell is executing on the instructions he has been given to go after and, and try and have normalized employment growth and normalized um, prices, prices yeah. at 2%. So he is effectuating what he's been told to do. He's not making up the rules by which he's playing. So final question, and we asked you the same thing last time when you were here, whether you're a buyer uh, on, the, on the Powell presser. Last time you said yes, yes, and stocks are significantly higher thanks to this month's rally since last meeting. What about after today? Well, I think based on what you heard today, it's, it's clearly on the more bullish tone. I think that companies that have missed in any way, shape, or form have been punished by the market. So I think there's still value out in the market. So the answer I have today is still is the answer I gave you a month ago. I'm more of a buyer today than a seller. Because there are cheap prices and because cheap, you like the way the Fed's going? I, the Fed seems to be forecasting that there's 100 basis points left. As Steve said, we don't know what's coming next year, but it feels like the impact of higher rates are in the system. They're slowing down. We know they're slowing down certain markets. We know they're slowing down the housing market. We're seeing the consumer move out of goods. We're seeing the consumer move more into services, which is the natural economy. But some of that services is, is, is pent-up demand. Some of that pent-up demand is going to go away. I think we're going to go into a more normalized environment. So I'm more optimistic than negative. You you're, you're almost sound like you expect a soft landing. I've been in the soft landing camp, although I've said the runway's gotten significantly shorter and it's gotten significantly more narrower. And as, as the, the, the chair said himself, the path is narrower. The path has gotten considerably narrower the longer we sit with higher and higher inflation. Gary Cohn, thank you as always. My really pleasure. Good to have you on a Fed day. Up next, we'll get much more reaction to the Fed and how it will impact the market when we are joined by Jeffries, David Zervos. 
Highs of the day right now. We're up more than 500 points, more than 4% on the NASDAQ. That story plus why Chipotle and PayPal are especially big winners when we take you inside the market zone. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. closing bell market zone. Allied chief markets and money strategist Lindsay Bell here to break down these crucial moments of the trading day. Plus, Jeffrey's David Zervos on the Fed and this rally. Kate Rogers also joins us on Chipotle. Let's get straight to the Fed fuel jump for stocks. Major averages moving sharply higher. It's broad. It happened during Fed chair Jay Powell's news conference just about a half an hour ago or so. NASDAQ is the biggest winner. It's up more than 4%. But every sector in the S&P right now is higher. It's being led by communication services, technology, and consumer discretionary groups. Utilities is the doing the least best. It's up a third of 1%. Lindsay, did the, the Fed chair and earnings and just everything going on this week, has it changed anything for you in that this rally, which we've seen a nice move in July, could be sustainable? You know, I think that as, as far as the market goes, we're probably going to trade a little bit sideways going forward. Of course, the news we're getting this week is is good news. But, you know, yesterday was a different story. So I think with what the Fed is saying, especially in the in Powell's conference, he sounded more dovish than the, than the actual release sounded. So that was good. And I think the markets are reacting to that. We could be coming closer to the end of this Fed rate tightening cycle uh, than we were to, than we are closer to the beginning, too. So, so investors see that as a positive, although they're saying that because the, there is an increased likelihood of us going into a recession, even if he doesn't believe we're in a recession now. So I think we're still on watch. We're going to still be very reactive to any data point that we get, especially regards to jobs and inflation. And, and, and I think it's just going to be we're in this kind of wait and see mode. We're going to hear what the Fed says at, 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 in, in August at um, at at, Jackson the, Hole. Um, at their at Jackson Hole. Yes, thank you there. Um, and, and then we'll get to September. So we have a little more time between between Fed meetings here than we have over the last three months. So we have a little breathing room. And I think the market appreciates that. So we've got every sector higher right now. Lindsay, you're, you're the earnings queen. You, you always go through all the, the estimates and what we've been getting so far. What do you make of it as a signal for the economy and which groups would you stick with? Yeah, I mean, it's been a great earnings season so far, a lot better than what most people have, have expected. I expected the second quarter, though, to be good, and that's exactly what it is. We're only about 35% of the way through, but we're going to get more this week and next week. Um, top line and bottom line beat rates are still very good, but guidance is coming down, just as everybody has anticipated. But guess what? A lot of that's been priced into the market. You're seeing actually 
positive reactions to, to lowered guidance from a lot of companies across sectors. Sectors that I would point out, though, is we are seeing tech, right? Um, we got some numbers last night from Microsoft and Alphabet. They were disappointing, but investors found solace in the fact that Microsoft was able to reaffirm their guidance going forward, and they sounded more positive on the earnings call. I think corporations are being cautious here, and they're taking the pass from the markets that has already prepared for lower guidance. So they're doing what they've been asked to do. They're lowering their numbers. And we might see a benefit on this in the second half of the year with these lower numbers and the opportunity to beat them uh, at a faster rate. So that's what I'll keep a watch out for. As far as industries go, I'm looking at consumer discretionary. I'm looking at tech and I'm looking at healthcare. Those are three sectors that I thought the numbers had come down going into earnings season and not just for the second quarter, for the second half overall. And we're seeing we're seeing the outlooks, even if in places where we're, that there are downgrades, we're seeing these stocks react very well. And the consumer has remained strong thus far, too. And I think you heard that. You heard that in a lot of the consumer companies recently, Visa, um, Chipotle, to name a few. Right. Chipotle is at the top of the market. Alphabet's up eight and a quarter percent right now, leading that group to the top of the market. Also, Meta, which comes after the bell, up six and a quarter. For more on the Fed and the market takeaways, let's bring in Jeffrey's chief market strategist, David Zervos. David, what, what was your takeaway as it relates to, to for investors from the Fed chair, particularly that news conference, which seemed to make more headlines around his dovishness? You know, I wouldn't go so, uh, so far down the dovish path, Sarah. I think there's a strong commitment to fighting inflation. And I think as we talked about after the June meeting, when they did the 75 and, and kind of really pushed their credibility to, uh, I think, you know, cyclical highs, um, that, that they're just, um, you know, they're, they're warming the market up to the idea of what they have to do, which is be tough, bring, bring demand down uh, to meet these limited supply periods. Hopefully those go away soon. And um, we're getting closer to the end. And I think the most important thing for the market to take away from this was really that we're moving kind of baby steps away from forward guidance. They could have been more aggressive, and I sort of hope they would have been, like the ECB did last week, and just say, look, we don't know. We're just going to we're gonna surprise you, give you a little bit more, and then we're just going to kind of go meeting by meeting. He did say meeting by meeting, but then he kind of waffled did. and said, hey, we kind of have this SEP from the last time. That's pretty good guidance. So he hasn't really thrown forward guidance away, but he kind of – he, he moved it off to the side, and I think they're getting very close to moving forward guidance completely away and just going, not just saying meeting by meeting, but really having a kind of, uh, you know, an open path forward as opposed to where we are now, which I think is still trying to tell the market, hey, we got a, we got a 25 and a 50 uh, and maybe another 25 and another 50 before the end of the year. That's kind of how we see it, but we're just not sure. Um, that's, that's a good step forward, and I think the market likes to see that end game. Right. Well, he, he did say that it's not going to be as clear with the guidance now that they now that he says that they're at the, the neutral pit point. But then to your point, he did mention the dot plot. Maybe we'll just get rid of that altogether. So, so what does it all mean for stocks and for bonds and for the dollar, which is increase, increasingly pricing in cuts next year? Yeah, the cuts are a little perplexing. It doesn't I, it's not perplexing in the sense that the market is giving the Fed so much credibility. They're saying, look, as soon as inflation starts to come down, these guys are going to be able to go back to their old ways of, of cutting rates uh, as uh, as things turn down. I'm not sure the Fed's really going to embrace that. So I think those are a little bit premature in there. But, you know, we're, we're, we're splitting hairs, um, 25 or 50 cut next, you know, 
in the next few qu- quarters of the uh, of 2023. <clears throat> At the end of the day, I, I think the story is really one of the Fed having earned the credibility to be able to do that if they need to, and the market giving them that. Um, whether they take it or not is a debatable point. I think they probably won't. But again, I, this is all kind of consistent with you know where you wanted to go in the beginning of the question, Sarah, which is what does it mean for stocks? What it means for right. stocks is that the Fed is got you know this credible attack on inflation really under control, and Jay's doing an incredibly good job of massaging long-term yields lower, keeping that yield curve inverted, which I think is a sign of credibility, keeping break-evens on the down trajectory, particularly the forward break-evens, keeping the dollar strong, and getting the market comfortable with a modest slowdown uh, and not an aggressive slowdown, hopefully not a recession, but probably a small recession in the end. He won't admit it, but that's probably where their head is. And and we're going to come out of this you know, with a couple scratches and bruises, but at the end of the day, um, the stocks had priced in a little more than a few scratches and bruises, so they were priced for a little, little too much, uh, too much pain, and that's why we're seeing the bounce that we're seeing. And we talked about that bounce last time after the June meeting. You, you know, right. you had Gary on, you had me on, and I think you had um, the guy from Credit Suisse on. Morgan Stanley, Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Stanley, Mike yeah, Wilson. Yeah. He wasn't yeah, buying. He two, wasn't buying it. So you're yeah, buying you it two, with Gary this time. Yeah, you had Gary buying me, switching from selling to buying, and you had, <laughs> you had the usual bear staying bearish. So. I'm sticking with what I what I said to you last time. I think we made a bit of a turn here. I think we've got a little summer squeeze on our hands. I'm kind of excited about it. I think it all hinges on the Fed credibly going after inflation and the market feeling comfortable with that move that it's not going to generate an extraordinarily uh, deep cut, but just a few nicks and bruises. David Zervos, always good to hear from you, especially on a Fed day. Thank you very much. Nasdaq's up 4.1 percent. Investors eating up shares of Chipotle after the restaurant chain beat Wall Street's earnings estimates. Higher prices able to offset that increasing costs. Earlier on Squawk on the Street, our Kate Rogers asked CEO Brian Nickel whether more price hikes are planned. Listen. Our value proposition is tremendously strong. Um, you know, we've talked about this before. We always want to take price as the last lever, uh, but it is something that we've had to do given the environment that we're dealing with. Uh, we have share that we plan on taking one more price increase uh, here in August. And hopefully, you know, uh, going forward, we won't have to continue to do that. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Kate joins us now. Any indication, Kate, that consumers... We'll start to push back against those higher prices. He also talked about what was happening at the low end. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's something, Sarah, we heard yesterday from McDonald's. So Brian Nichols said they're starting to see some pullback with the lower end consumer, but mentioned that's also not really the core demographic for Chipotle. The higher end consumer is still strong. They do have pricing power to continue to raise in August another 4%, as you heard. That being said, commodity inflation for things like avocados and beef have been very stubborn. So they're being transparent now about the hikes to come. And as he mentioned, in terms of value proposition for similar brands like a Qdoba, for example, they're still lower priced. And that's one of the reasons that the consumer really has been so loyal. And one other thing I'd mentioned, they've been able to hang on to their margins, too, even in the face of these rising costs. And investors clearly like to see that today. Lindsay Bell, Chipotle, an example. How do you find companies that have the pricing power and that also have greater exposure to a higher income consumer, which if you add that up, potentially that's why the, the stock is up almost 15 percent right now? Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly right. That higher and the more affluent consumer, they're able to take on uh, higher prices. And so you're seeing companies like Chipotle be able to pass those higher prices on to offset their higher costs. And so that's exactly what you want to look for in an environment like this. I think we're going to hear more and more of that um, as we go through earnings season. Even some of the consumer staple companies, which I know you've been covering very closely, they've been able to, to push prices onto their consumers. It's, it's all about the product, the, the end consumer, and, and really being in that position where you can take advantage of that uh, and, and maintain your margins that, by the way, have expanded to uh, historically high levels over the l last couple years. No, it's, it's, people need to eat. It's all about what, what the priorities are right now. The, the staple's doing well. Kate Rogers, Kate, thank you. Right up there with Chipotle at the top of the market is PayPal, off this Wall Street Journal report that Elliott Management has taken a stake in the fintech company. The size of that stake, however, could not be learned. Kate Rooney joins us. Kate, the stock has plunged so far this year. We've mentioned before that it could be an activist target. I know that we don't know exactly what Elliot is up to here, but what, what could be the playbook? Where's the upside? So one upside, Sarah, uh, PayPal's sitting on about $8 billion worth of cash. So being more efficient with that cash, potentially cost-cutting would be another big area that could come in the form of layoffs. They also spend a lot on R&D and sales and marketing. So Mizuho, for example, estimates they could go from 25% margins to a 40% margin business. So that would be the, the classic activist play uh, here and the playbook here would be to really pull back on spending, improve margins. And then there's also now more speculation about a Pinterest deal. Remember, we talked about that back in October. Uh, sources told us that, that PayPal had been looking to buy Pinterest. That deal was scrapped. Elliott also owns a stake in Pinterest. So that, there's some renewed speculation over those two companies potentially combining and then the last thing would be management changes. So CEO Dan Schulman does not really have an heir apparent right now. John Rainey, who was the CFO, mm. left to go to Walmart. There is now an interim CFO. They don't really have anybody waiting in the wings. So chatter now about what happens on the management side and Dan Schulman's job at this point. Either way, it's getting investors excited today. Look at that move. Kate Rooney. Kate, thank you. Alphabet and Microsoft both jumping today after earnings last night, as we mentioned. Just a few minutes, we will get results from Meta. Julia Borston joins us with the key number investors will be watching for. So interesting, though, Julia, to see Alphabet not really pull a snap when it comes to advertising falling hard. That's right. Alphabet trading higher because those results were not as bad as expected. Now, for Meta, the thing to watch is revenue. Now, this is expected to be the first quarter ever that Meta has reported declining revenue growth. Analysts are looking for a 0.4% 
revenue decline in the quarter from the year ago quarter. Now we're also watching revenue guidance and how the company expects a couple key factors to depress growth, including macroeconomic uncertainty, challenges navigating Apple's operating system that limits ad measurement and targeting, and also increased competition with TikTok. Investors are also looking for color on new businesses such as Reels and Messenger and when those could start to generate meaningful revenue for the company. Sarah? Got Julia Borson. Julia, thank you. Lindsay, would you would you buy Meta into this report? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's tough to buy into the report. Obviously, when the numbers that we got from, from Alphabet it are a good sign that ad spending uh, at, at companies like, like an Alphabet with the YouTube platform and potentially Meta, especially with an Instagram platform, could do well. And, and, and they're, they're seeing that they could potentially be the share takers from others in the space when it comes to ad spend. So I think that's an encouraging sign. I think when it comes to Meta, look, the stock is, is really beating down. The valuation has come, come down quite significantly. And, and there may be opportunity from that perspective, but I think they have a long slog ahead as they transform the business from, from a social media company to one that is really focused on becoming the center of the metaverse. Um, so I think it's one to watch for sure. The other big event happening in the next 24 hours is we're going to get GDP on the second quarter. And, and if it's negative, that'll be two negative quarters in a row. And so some technically will say that is recession, though not the White House and not the Fed chair, apparently. We're 10% off the lows for the S&P 500, Lindsay. So wh- how, how much pain do you think for this economy is factored in already? We're about 16.5% off the highs. Yeah, you know, I think that the, that the market is pricing in a moderate recession. And so I think that investors are comfortable with that. If we do get a negative GDP print tomorrow, um, we could potentially get a slightly positive number. Either way, we're showing that growth, economic growth is slowing. But it's, it's a bit of a snapback to more normal levels. If you think about it on a two-year basis, last year, economic growth w- grew gangbusters, right? O- over 5% sure. GDP growth. Um, so mm-hmm. we're, we're in a period of a bit of a give back. You're seeing a slowdown in, in economic activity. And, and so I don't know that a negative report is actually going to be that much of a surprise to the markets tomorrow. Lindsay Bell, thank you very much from Ally Financial. As we head into the close here, we're looking at a nice rally, 2.6% higher on the S&P 500, near the highs of the session. Thank you, Jay Powell. 442 points higher on the Dow, and the NASDAQ is surging. NASDAQ 100 up 4.3%. Overall, NASDAQ up about 4% or so. The Fed chair acknowledging the softness in the economy did not pre-commit on September and perhaps signaled that they won't have such a large move as 75 basis points in the next meeting, which is two months away. There goes the bell. That's it for me. I'll see you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.